Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, it's Sharon, and here's where it gets interesting. Raise your hand if you want Salon Perfect Nails for just $2 a manicure. Yeah, me too. With the Alvin June Manny system, you can say goodbye to expensive services that take hours and hours and love your nails more than ever. I would know I've been doing it for years. Get 20% off your first Manny system with code PERFECTMANNY20 at alvinjune.com slash PERFECTMANNY20. That's PERFECTMANNY20 at alvinjune.com slash PERFECTMANNY20. A lifelong journey of self-discovery puts a teen at risk. He was an African-American, he was male, and he was gay. Why go out of your way to hurt someone just because they're a little different? When a beloved son and brother goes missing, clues build into a confounding mystery. Quite odd for somebody to just disappear off the face of the earth on one of the busiest streets in your community. My child out there, I gotta find my baby. Secret connections are exposed. Why would you run unless you did this? And a family pleads for answers. What make one life more important than the next life? A life is a life. We just want to know what happened. So that we can sleep at night. (laughs) November 20th, 2012. As Thanksgiving approaches, the first chill of winter blusters through Charlottesville, Virginia. Sage Smith is at home, getting ready for a date. Sage liked to dress to impress. She was very fashionable, and she took pride in the way she looked. At 19 years old, Sage is finally living life out loud and proud as a transgender person. I really didn't know anything about transgender or anything. I just knew, you know, like gay or bisexual or something from the old school. So I'm learning, and I'm still learning. The recent transition is so new that some family members and close friends refer to Sage as she. Others still use he or his birth name, Deshad. He didn't mind calling him Deshad. I don't feel like he ever had a preference of what he was. He was Deshaud. He was my son. Though Deshaud now calls himself Sage and is gay, his gender identity isn't exclusively female or male. Following the practice of many of his loved ones, this program will refer to Sage as he. 
Sage wasn't a person with labels. He was just who he was. He was very fluid. Sometimes he would, you know, have his wigs on and, you know, dresses and skirts. And then sometimes he was like wearing a whole suit. Very masculine kind of guy. Sage was more of, I'm just going to be who I feel like I am. Basically, however Sage felt, that's how Sage would dress. Growing up gay and transgender in Charlottesville hasn't been an easy road for Sage. We kind of already knew Deshaun was gay when he was younger. We were just waiting on Deshaun to come out. I always try to tell Deshaun that if there's anything you need to tell me, I always love you, no matter what. I was so young, it didn't really process, like, gay. It would just seem normal because everybody in the family accepted it. It just, it was okay to accept. But Deshad's mom and his two younger sisters saw that the kids in the neighborhood weren't as tolerant. The kids were very mean to him. One time when Deshad was trying to um, fit in and try to play football, they urinated on his jersey. I remember him being hurt over the situation. I remember my mom being really upset. I was really confused of why people would do things like that. Like, why go out of your way to hurt someone just because they're a little different, you know? The love and support of Sage's family has made all the difference in his life. Particularly, his close relationship with his paternal grandmother, known as Miss Cookie, a nickname she picked up for her sweet nature. Sage was very special to me. We had a very special bond, and couldn't nobody break that bond. Miss Cookie was the first family member Sage came out to. Sage came to me one day and said, Grandma, I'm gay. And I looked at her and I said, you are not telling me nothing I didn't already know. Coming out to other family members wasn't as easy. Sage's father, Dean, separated from his mom, Latasha, shortly after Sage was born. But he lived close by, and the two saw each other often. Dean is a manly man. It upset him that his number one seed was gay. It's like a crushing feeling to me. You know, you fear what you don't understand. And I had no understanding of that. So I, you know, told him, stay away from me. Don't call my phone. Said a lot of hurtful things. Their family says the cutting words deeply affected both Sage and Dean. It took weeks for the tough dad and Dean to soften to the idea of his son not only being gay, but also identifying as a female named Sage. My youngest son gave me a reality check. He was like, basically, you always told us no matter what, always be happy within ourselves first. You like, so why are you doing this to my brother? The powerful reminder that Deshad is more comfortable with himself as Sage was a wake-up call for Dean. It prompted him to meet with Sage the next day to reconcile. And I said, first of all, I'm gonna apologize to you because I said some hurtful things to you. And uh, he was explaining to me about his life. You know what I'm saying? So the understanding started to come clear to me. And after, you know, we had that conversation, you know, the bond started coming back together. Beyond family, Sage has close friends who have helped make his journey from Deshad to Sage less isolating. 
Sage and Shakira Washington have been tight since middle school and supported each other through their transitions. The fact that we just grew up young to older, we experienced a lot of days. We went to prom together. So our relationship was just everything. After Sage graduated high school, he moved out on his own in March of 2012. When he was 19, he soon invited Shakira and another transgender woman, Aubrey Carson, to share an apartment with him. We were all young, learning how to mature as adults, so we were all there for each other. According to his friends and family, Sage's charisma was infectious. He was really energetic, very out there, colorful kind of person, you know, social. I envied him because he would be able to talk to anyone. Deshaun had some type of magnet. He could just pull people into him. Sage loved attention and could dance. I mean, really, you could not tell Sage that she couldn't dance. From his early teens, Sage has honed his moves by making YouTube videos with his friends. These days, he spends a lot of time developing a newfound passion. Sage was in school for cosmetology. Sage practices on his friends at home, with the hope of one day becoming a professional hairdresser. With Thanksgiving just around the corner, Sage is looking forward to celebrating at his mom's house. It was going to be a surprise for the girls. He was very excited to come to the house. I secretly knew Sage was coming home, and I was already super excited. It was just like, finally, I felt I was going to have a really great day that day. But on Thanksgiving Eve, November 20th, Sage is focused on getting ready for his date. One roommate, Shakira Washington, is away, and the other, Aubrey Carson, naps on the couch. At 5.40 p.m., Sage wakes Aubrey to say he's heading out and will be back later that evening. The next morning, Aubrey wakes up and discovers that Sage never came home. When he tries Sage's cell phone, it goes straight to voicemail, which friends and family say is unusual. Sage's cell phone was glued to her ear. She was always on that cell phone. And she took her charger everywhere. Aubrey calls a few friends and discovers that Sage's stepsister, Kiera Morgan, saw him the previous night on Main Street. I was just headed to the bus stop when I ran into Sage. He was actually on a call. I then heard someone ask where he was. He then told them that he would be there in five minutes. Kiera doesn't know who Sage was talking to or who his plans were with. She places the chance meeting with him at around 6.30 p.m. It's the last known time anyone saw Sage Smith. Aubrey calls Sage's grandmother, Miss Cookie, who is immediately troubled by Sage's unexplained disappearance. I begin to, you know, get anxious and, and get a little bit afraid, like something is not right here. I told Aubrey, Go ahead and call the police. Let them know what she knew. And that's what she did. Charlottesville detectives begin a missing persons investigation the next day, Thanksgiving. They start with statements from Sage's friends and family. 
Early on, we were concerned about foul play just because he was having no contact with anyone. That was extremely unusual for Sage. Meanwhile, Sage's father, Dean, calls Sage's mom, Latasha, to let her know that their son is missing. I was nervous. I was nervous because Deshaun would answer his phone or he would respond. He always kept in touch with his family. At first, Latasha hides the news of Sage's disappearance from his sisters, Rasha and Diana. I didn't want to tell the girls. I was hoping that we could find him before um, I had to do that. But a post on Facebook reveals the truth to Sage's sisters before Latasha can. And I saw a post saying, have you seen Deshad? And I was just confused, like, nothing made sense in the moment. I remember my face was just so hot, and I didn't understand. I felt like this could only happen. It's only on TV. Like, how could this happen to us? 19-year-old Sage Smith, a transgender teen in Charlottesville, Virginia, has been missing for almost 48 hours. Investigators know that when a transgender person goes missing, it could involve hate violence. The thought that there was foul play related to his sexual gender was a concern for us, but it was one of many concerns at that time. The transgender community was very new to us, um, so there was not a lot of experience at the department in dealing with a case where someone may be targeted because of their gender. The first priority for investigators is to develop a timeline of Sage's last known movements on Main Street, including identifying who he was seen talking to on the phone the night he disappeared. Police believe this is the person Sage had plans to meet with that night. They subpoena Sage's cell phone records, but the paperwork will take a few days, frustrating Sage's anxious family. I don't care about no protocol and none of this night. I, mean, I don't care about that. I don't care nothing about that. My child out there, I gotta find my baby. Sage's family does some digging of their own. By guessing Sage's password, they are able to access his cell phone records. My daughter went into Sage's account and found the last people that Sage had contact with. The last communication to Sage is from an out-of-state area code that's unfamiliar to everyone in his family. Calling him about a hundred thousand times. Nothing, nothing. It'll say the person can't receive calls at this, at this time. Meanwhile, a team of officers does a grid search of the area around Main Street in Charlottesville where Sage was last seen by his stepsister, Kiera. It's heavily traveled. We've got train station, bus station, pedestrian traffic. Quite odd for somebody to just disappear off the face of the earth on one of the busiest streets in your community. They also canvass nearby businesses to see if Sage was captured on any surveillance cameras. Unfortunately, in 2012, we only had a couple businesses in a 10-block radius that, that probably had video. Neither one of those videos captured anything useful in this case. While investigators scour the downtown area for clues, Sage's family is still trying to use the number they found in Sage's phone records to identify who he had plans with and was talking to on Main Street. Sage's father, Dean, takes it a step further. Dean took the number and put it on Facebook. 
It was time to figure out who the number belonged to. Within hours, Dean gets a response. A message from a transgender friend of Sage's named Yami Ortiz. Yami inboxed me and be like, I know this dude. The person that the number belonged to belonged to a guy named Eric McFadden. According to Yami, Eric McFadden was dating Sage recently, but he wasn't out of the closet. Not even his girlfriend knows he's gay. That's when I was like, okay, man, this is getting serious because now I'm thinking, this dude done did something to my child. Feeling desperate for answers, Dean gets a photo of him from Yami and posts it on Facebook. I said, if anybody know who this guy is or his whereabouts, please contact me. He was the last one seen with my child. According to Sage's father, Dean, he doesn't share anything he has learned about Eric McFadden with police because he doesn't want them to shut down his investigation. But two days later, on November 24th, Charlottesville police find out about McFadden without Dean's help when a 20-year-old student at the University of Virginia named Esther Ayeni contacts them to report McFadden missing. Esther made a request that they conduct a welfare check for her boyfriend because she hadn't been able to reach him all day on the 24th and his phone was going straight to voicemail. Esther is out of town for Thanksgiving and wants to make sure her missing boyfriend, Eric, isn't incapacitated in her apartment. Like investigators, Esther knows nothing about Sage's father's Facebook post looking for McFadden. The police department sent an officer to Esther Yenny's apartment. No one was home when police went to go do the welfare check. Later that same day, police become aware that McFadden's and Sage's disappearances are connected when they get an unexpected visit from Yami Ortiz, the same transgender friend of Sage's who ID'd Eric McFadden for Sage's father. Yami fills police in on what she knows about Eric McFadden, his secret affair with Sage, and Dean Smith's Facebook post linking him to Sage's disappearance. Once the police department learned about Eric McFadden, and his possible connection to Sage Smith. We went public with that information. We did press releases. We did uh, posters throughout the community with pictures of Eric McFadden, um, describing him as a person of interest and someone we'd like to speak with. But Eric McFadden appears to have left town. His girlfriend Esther hasn't heard from him, and he hasn't been to work for the past three days. The fact that he ran makes it seem like he's the likely suspect, because why would you run? unless you did this. With his girlfriend Esther's consent, investigators enter the home she shares with Eric McFadden. The apartment was searched for fingerprints, DNA, blood, any evidence, you know, that Sage may have been there during that time period. We also seized a computer that belonged to Eric McFadden. Investigators also find a clue that points to McFadden's recent whereabouts and throws their existing theory about him into question. A CVS receipt was recovered from the apartment that showed a purchase made on the 22nd. The 22nd is two days after Sage went missing. And though there could be an unrelated reason for McFadden's absence, police think he might have skipped town right away if he'd been involved in Sage's disappearance. 
Eric didn't leave Charlottesville until his name and number got put on Facebook. So for me, this raises a lot of questions. Did he run because he did something to Sage or did he run because he got outed on Facebook? Investigators working the case of missing 19-year-old Sage Smith are also looking for the last person known to have contact with Sage, 21-year-old Eric McFadden. While McFadden's absence raises some immediate red flags for police, they have uncovered a CVS receipt that indicates he remained in Charlottesville until Sage's father posted McFadden's photo on Facebook. A part of me thinks that Eric McFadden left town because he had been outed. His friends and family were now going to be aware of his lifestyle, and he wasn't prepared to face that. Investigators obtained surveillance footage from the CVS, and it corroborates what the receipt suggested, that McFadden remained in town until the 22nd, two days after Sage vanished. Though the new evidence casts doubt on Eric McFadden's involvement in Sage's disappearance, it doesn't stop police from searching for him. Detectives question Sage's roommates, Shakira Washington and Aubrey Carson, to see what they know about the mysterious McFadden. Sage never talked about Eric McFadden at all um, to me. Majority of the people that I thought Sage knew, I thought I knew, but apparently not. Aubrey Carson says he did meet McFadden once on Main Street with Sage, but the encounter was brief. Then, police finally get what they need, the records for Sage's cell phone which shed light on his relationship with McFadden. The call history confirms that McFadden was indeed the last person to call Sage at 6.36 p.m. More importantly, detectives can see the actual text messages that Eric McFadden sent to Sage minutes before his last phone call to him. He's basically communicating to him, where are you? I'm here, I'm waiting five more minutes, and then I'm leaving. And then finally, bye, you stood me up. It appeared, based on the text messages, that they did not meet up. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, it's Sharon, and here's where it gets interesting. Raise your hand if you want salon perfect nails for just $2 a manicure. Yeah, me too. With the Alvin June Manny system, you can say goodbye to expensive services that take hours and hours and love your nails more than ever. I would know I've been doing it for years. Get 20% off your first Manny system with code PERFECTMANNY20 at alvinjune.com slash PERFECTMANNY20. That's PERFECTMANNY20 at alvinjune.com slash PERFECTMANNY20. Hey, it's Janice from Warner Brothers Discovery. 
Nothing is more personal or specific than our health and well-being. So it's really weird to me that most weight loss plans are one size fits all. Noom, however, is different. Noom understands that every single person is unique, so they build personal plans to meet individual needs. I appreciate that Noom is designed this way, that it meets each person where they're at, and that its approach is based in psychology and biology. And not only that, this approach is grounded in science. Noom has published more than 30 peer-reviewed scientific articles about it. Noom also wants you to enjoy food so it doesn't restrict what you can eat or shame you for treating yourself. I actually overheard a conversation about Noom at my local cafe the other day. Both diners were talking about all these foods they've discovered that they really love thanks to recipes they found on the Noom app. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com and check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for 100 healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. To confirm the night's events and potentially clear McFadden from suspicion, investigators need to speak to him. But he's still staying out of sight until Tuesday, November 27th, seven days after Sage Smith went missing, when detectives hear from someone they never expected. One of our sergeants at the police department did receive a call from a person who identified himself as Eric McFadden. Investigators press McFadden on his whereabouts, and he says his reason for leaving Charlottesville had nothing to do with Sage. He stated he was in New York City. And he said it was somewhere he always wanted to go. Eric McFadden's explanation as to why he was in New York was suspicious, to say the least. They also questioned him about his connection to Sage. McFadden did admit to a sexual relationship with Sage. He confirms that on the night Sage disappeared, they had plans to meet in front of the Amtrak station on Main Street. But Sage never showed up. McFadden agrees to come back to town to straighten things out with police. He was coming by bus. He gave us the time he was coming in, and we were prepared to talk to him then. But Eric McFadden never shows up. His unpredictable behavior leaves Sage's family wondering why he is avoiding investigators. If you have nothing to hide, why wouldn't you come in and try to clear your name? It made me feel like, yes, He did something to my baby. He did it. Three days later, suspicions intensify when investigators get a visit from McFadden's girlfriend, Esther Ayeni. She received an email from McFadden describing the night Sage went missing, and the story McFadden tells Esther veers 180 degrees from the one he told investigators. He said that he had, in fact, met with Sage and that they were walking when some other people showed up. He just said that Sage had many enemies and he got out of there. He kept walking, basically. And that suggested to me that he was in fear of whoever he saw. In the email, McFadden also goes on the offensive, making a serious allegation against Sage. He also told her that Sage had been blackmailing him. 
girlfriend didn't know he was gay. Um, it doesn't appear that the community knew that he was gay. Detectives want to know more about the people McFadden mentioned to Esther. The statement that Sage had a lot of enemies was very concerning. That coupled with the blackmail allegation, I mean, that's motive for an investigator. It's a clue. But given the drastic changes in McFadden's story, investigators are again left with more questions than answers. It's hard to discern what, if any, of this is the truth at all. What we do know is that he's left town and Sage Smith is nowhere to be found. That's quite concerning at that time. Based on the inconsistencies in his story, McFadden shoots to the top of their list as a suspect in Sage's disappearance. They move on him quickly, obtaining warrants from McFadden's computer, email accounts, social media, and bank records, searching for evidence. But they find nothing. With their only suspect out of their grasp, detectives sort through Sage's social media and emails and discover crucial new information about Sage's previous dating partners, including reasons why Sage might have been at risk. It appeared a lot of these men were living down low. Um, they didn't want people to know their alternative lifestyle. According to friends, a few months before Sage vanished, one of these secret relationships was exposed when a man's girlfriend discovered his emails to Sage. The outed lover blamed Sage for his girlfriend finding out about their relationship. The guy was very aggressive and rude and disrespectful. And the repercussions turned violent. Sage was walking home, and he was attacked by the dude. There were charges that were brought as a result of that assault. When Sage came up missing, I did think of him first. But when authorities look into the ex-lover who assaulted Sage, they learn he has an ironclad alibi. At the time, he was incarcerated, so he was never a suspect. It looks like another dead end. Then, on December 3rd, almost two weeks after Sage disappeared, police monitoring Sage's credit cards get a hit. We learned that her credit card had been used which we thought was, was great. We're going to find Sage on a video somewhere using the credit card. But when investigators check out surveillance footage from the convenience store where Sage's card was used, there's an alarming twist. In fact, we found Aubrey Carson was the one that used Sage's credit card. Aubrey Carson is the roommate of Sage Smith. So, of course, when we see Aubrey using this credit card, we are very concerned. My man, you let me know you knew that my child wasn't coming back. Two weeks after Sage Smith vanished off Main Street in Charlottesville, Virginia, investigators discover that his credit card was just used at a convenience store by his roommate, Aubrey Carson. I felt like it was weird. It was a little shady to me. Police question Aubrey Carson about using Sage's card, and he says he took the card from the apartment to buy some food. The way Aubrey explained it, it was just the way they were. Like, they shared the, the card, it was used in the house, that they were just that close that they used each other's things. While the behavior is suspicious, and police can't confirm Aubrey's alibi that he was at home asleep when Sage went missing, they have no evidence linking him to Sage's disappearance. Two months go by with no further developments. Then, in February 2013, 
a new eyewitness comes forward with yet another account of the last night Sage was seen in downtown Charlottesville. Police received a report from a Monica Williams, which says she's known Sage for several years. Monica Williams says that she saw and spoke to Sage that night at the Wild Wings Cafe on Main Street. Monica Williams reported that she saw him around 7 p.m. in the restaurant by himself, that he told her that he was waiting for someone. Monica says Sage never mentioned who he was meeting. A few minutes later, she left him at the bar alone. With this new eyewitness account, investigators take a look at the timeline for the night Sage went missing. At 6.27 p.m., Eric McFadden texted, saying, I'm leaving. You stood me up. Then, at 6.36 p.m., Kiara Morgan saw and spoke to Sage on Main Street while he was on the phone with Eric McFadden. It wasn't until half an hour later, at 7 p.m., that Monica Williams says she saw him at the Wild Wing Cafe. Which is interesting because that shares a building with the Amtrak station, which is where McFadden and Sage were supposed to meet at. Police theorize that Sage had time to meet Eric McFadden in the half hour between seeing Kiara Morgan and Monica Williams. It's possible that Sage could have met with Eric, left Eric alive, and walked to the Wild Wing Cafe and met with other people. Investigators realize that Monica's account could put Eric McFadden in the clear. They search for other witnesses at the Wild Wing Cafe that night to corroborate her story. The police department spoke with management. They remembered uh, possibly some transgender individuals being in the restaurant, but couldn't say if it was Sage or not. Police ask for any security footage from the restaurant, but none exists. They believe that with Eric McFadden still out of touch, the truth of what really happened that night remains a mystery. Weeks drift into months, and Sage's family suffers with the complete lack of answers in Sage's disappearance. Is he alive? Is he dead? Is he hurt? Does he need me? The only thing I can just feel is him screaming for me, needing me to help him. It's not knowing part that eats away at you because you don't know what's happening to your baby. In September of 2014, almost 10 months into the missing person investigation of Sage Smith, another Virginia teen disappears from Charlottesville. Hannah Graham, a student at the University of Virginia, went missing. The search efforts for Hannah Graham were massive bigger than anything the Commonwealth of Virginia has ever seen. Literally, people showed up at our doorstep within hours of her uh, disappearance being reported to aid in searches. Thousands of people. I mean, we had resources we had never seen before. The search for Hannah Graham becomes the most expensive and intensive in Virginia state history. And within 36 days, her body is recovered. I'm not trying to take away from that situation because, believe me, I felt for her mother. But when I looked at it on TV, it did make me feel kind of like, wow, I didn't feel like that I got that much support in the community for mine. A part of me feels like it had something to do with who Deshaun is. Deshaun was an African-American, he was a male, and he was gay. 
what make one life more important than the next life? A life is a life. Why did a thousand media trucks show up for Hannah Graham and only a few for Sage's case? That's a societal problem that we have. A lot of people need to ask those questions, why these cases were treated differently. In November 2015, three years after Sage's disappearance, Charlottesville police make an announcement. They no longer consider Eric McFadden to be a suspect in Sage's case. Despite his lack of cooperation and shifting story, police determine that McFadden's digital footprint from the night Sage went missing doesn't line up with a person involved in criminal activity. If you look at the phone records, if you look at his computer usage, he's occupied. It doesn't seem to be the behavior of someone who's committing an atrocious act. Eric was on his computer between about 11 that night till about 3 that morning, off and on. Nothing suspicious, nothing to raise any red flags that he was trying to figure out what to do with a body or how to run away or anything like that. For me, this raises a lot of questions as to if he did do something to Sage, when did he have the time to do it? Investigators also say McFadden didn't appear to have the means to pull off a violent crime. He couldn't drive. He was getting lessons from somebody at work. He didn't have a car. He was in an apartment that didn't even belong to him in a heavy populated area that the likelihood of him committing an abduction or murder, it would be hard to say the least. Two months pass with no further leads. Then, in January 2016, police get a call from Chincoteague, Virginia, almost 300 miles from Charlottesville. There was a sighting of Sage in a small beach town in Virginia. When police follow up, they find that the sighting was actually a remarkable coincidence. Detectives discovered that this person was actually Shakira Washington, who was Sage's roommate at the time that Sage went missing. Although Shakira was out of town the night Sage disappeared, police take the opportunity to re-interview her, and she drops a bombshell. She stated that Aubrey Carson, who was also Sage's roommate, was not telling police everything that he knew. In January 2016, nearly three years after Sage Smith disappeared, police are getting new information from Sage's former roommate, Shakira Washington. Shakira tells detectives that she thinks their third roommate, Aubrey Carson, knows more than he's told investigators. She also says she was disturbed when Aubrey Carson started using Sage's credit card and other personal belongings after he went missing. Shakira thought it was unusual for Aubrey to be wearing Sage's hair at the time that Sage went missing because Aubrey should have known that Sage was coming back. Detective Regine Wright-Settle re-interviews Sage's stepsister, Kiera Morgan, to look deeper into the allegations against Aubrey. And she learns there was another side to Aubrey's relationship with Sage. They seemed like they were very jealous of each other, like they were in competition. And it was more so of Aubrey jealousy towards Sage. Aubrey Carson says the allegation that he wore Sage's wigs was a misunderstanding. Shakira Washington says that once she heard Aubrey's side of the story, she no longer doubts his word. Aubrey was good friends with Sage. You gotta put yourself in that person's shoes and see how they feel 
I feel like that everybody that was close to Sage needs to just come together. But police find other apparent holes in his statements. He told detectives that he only met Eric McFadden once, briefly. But an eyewitness says otherwise. I interviewed a witness who told me that he saw Aubrey Carson, Sage, and Eric McFadden in a local club here in Charlottesville. The Saturday night into Sunday morning before Sage went missing. This would not be something that you would forget, you know, a few nights before your friend goes missing. Investigators say the inconsistency in Aubrey Carson's statement is a clear red flag. From my perspective, Aubrey's behaviors are both suspicious and could simply indicate that he might just know more of what's going on. But we won't know that until Aubrey comes in and tells us everything that he knows. Aubrey maintains that he has been completely forthcoming with investigators and has no idea what happened to Sage. Police say they have no evidence linking him to Sage's disappearance. In March 2017, Charlottesville police announced that Eric McFadden is once again considered a person of interest in Sage's disappearance. Although they now believe he could be more of a witness. Investigators' best hope is to speak with McFadden. But after almost five years, he still hasn't surfaced. Detective Wright Settle is determined to get some answers for Sage's bereft family. I see family members who are broken and they want to know what happened to their child. And I have a child and I would want to know what happened to my son. As the five-year anniversary approaches, it hits his family hard. We just want to know what happened. We just want to know so that we can sleep at night. Sage's father, Dean, feels crippled with regret and spends time thinking about what he would have done differently. If your child come on and say that they live in a, a different type of lifestyle, don't be so quick to be judgmental. Sit down and talk to him and have an open line of communication. Because, you know, it's sad that I said the things I said to my child. Sage may never be accepted by everyone. But his family asks that differences be put aside for the sake of finding out what happened to him. Think about what if it is your child? Would you want someone to help no matter what? It doesn't matter what race you are. It doesn't matter about what gender you claim. All that matters is this is someone's loved one. There are people who are suffering every day because they don't have him. Sage's family also holds out hope that cases involving transgender youth will be treated differently in the future. I want him to see how the world is and how the world's changing now, how accepting it's getting. Every time something amazing happens with the LGBT community or the black community, I'm just like, I wish Sage was here to see this. If you have any information about Sage Smith or his disappearance, please contact Crime Stoppers at 434-977-4000. While police continue to comb the Charlottesville area for any signs of Sage, his family organizes some searches of their own. We rallied up a group of people. Based on McFadden's statement to police, the family focuses their efforts around the Amtrak station on Main Street. We searched mainly the whole track 
I got me a 75 man team. We walked through the woods, uh, we knocked on doors, we put up posters. But they don't find anything connected to Sage. Meanwhile, police dig back into the statements made in email by Eric McFadden, specifically his allegation that Sage had many enemies. When police question those closest to Sage about it, his roommate Shakira can think of at least one. The night before Sage went missing, she was involved in an altercation with a, with a male subject. Jamel Smith is his name. It was my birthday. We had just got back from going out, and somebody busted into Sage's house. The disgruntled woman is there to confront one of Sage's friends over an alleged hookup with her partner. And she didn't come there alone. It's like a whole line of cars blocking the front of the house, basically. And we're like, wow, <laughs> like, what is going on? Sage got really upset. Sage was known to, like I say, be very boisterous. He wouldn't back down from a fight. Um, he was known to get into altercations from time to time. Jamel Smith is one of the bystanders, and Sage insists that he get his car off his property. The disagreement escalates, and Jamel says Sage damaged his property. Shakira tells the detective that there was something about the drama that made her uneasy, but that she never suspected Jamel was involved in Sage's disappearance. In response to that report, the police department did interview Jamel Smith. When investigators questioned Jamel Smith about the evening of November 20th, the night of Sage's disappearance, they are able to quickly rule him out as a person of interest. The lack of progress in the case was very concerning to us. It's frustrating to me as an investigator. As 2012 comes to an end, they are no closer to bringing Sage home to her family. It was horrible. It didn't feel like Christmas. Because I have other children, I have to keep acting like everything's okay. You have to be strong, um, but it's hard. It felt like everybody was just going on with everything, like trying to like it, pretend like everything's okay, like it's gonna be okay, we're gonna figure it out. But I felt like I didn't wanna be like that. I felt like I had to, but just wanted to break down and cry. Time passes with no leads. And in March 2017, the Charlottesville Police Department changes the status of Sage Smith's case from a missing person investigation to a homicide. When our new chief came in and looked at the case, and saw that there was no proof of life since um, Sage has been missing and decided based on that evidence to go ahead and reclassify the case to a homicide. Homicide detective Regine Wright Settle takes over the case and with fresh eyes, she develops some new leads. My son's been gone five years. And the only thing I can just think about is I just want his skinny arms wrapped around me. That's all I think about. It's been that long since I've been able to see him. So I went through high school. I went to prom thinking like, oh, I wish Sage was here to see me in my prom dress. It's all the significant milestones in my life. I didn't get to have my brother there. Five years is a long time to not know anything. I mean, nothing, not a word, not a sighting. 
And I just can't believe that somebody can just disappear into thin air. I, I just can't wrap my mind around that. And nobody knows nothing. Somebody knows. And I beg you, please help us. I think about my brother every day. Every time I make a decision, I think about him. Before I go to bed, I think about him. Step onto the legendary clay courts of Roland Garros, where the world's best players battle it out at the French Open for a chance to win a Grand Slam title. Tennis Channel Plus is your place to watch. Stream every court from your phone or smart TV live in HD. See the action unfold as legends fight for glory and new rivalries emerge. Daily live coverage begins Monday, May 20th, with match replays on demand so you never miss a moment. From the first serve to the final point, Roland Garros promises unforgettable moments and new chapters in tennis history. Stream now with Tennis Channel Plus to be there when it happens. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Dan and Nancy reside in the peaceful suburbs just outside of Portland, where they are living out their golden years. Their marriage spans over two decades and is seen as a pillar of the community. But when Dan is found dead in his classroom, Nancy finds herself at the center of a murder case that could be ripped from the pages of her novels. Binge all episodes of Happily Never After, Dan and Nancy, ad-free right now on Wondery+. Plus. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most, but if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.